Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about God's eternal love. We could with ink the ocean fill and wear the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from sky to sky. How do you define God's love? How do you describe it? You don't. You just don't. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether it's a good harvest, rain, prosperity, throughout the ages, man has been seeking the secrets of gaining the ear of the gods in order to help them succeed in life. Today, in his study from the book of Ephesians, Pastor Xavier explores the deeper side of a close communion with the one true God. Here he is beginning today's message. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And the message is entitled, Prayer to be like Christ. Paul's prayer is marked by three things, three divisions. Verses 14 to 21. Let me read them for you. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might through the Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul's prayer is marked by three divisions, and we want to look at it this way. First of all, the introduction to the prayer. And secondly, the intercession of the prayer. And then lastly, the intoxication through prayer. Notice first the purpose behind Paul's prayer is due to all that God had done for the Gentiles in Christ. The phrase for this reason is the same as in the opening of the chapter. What has he just told us? In verse 19 of chapter 2, that the Gentiles were no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In 20, the Gentiles had a solid foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, that the Gentiles were joined together and they were growing into a holy temple in the Lord. And verse 22, that the Gentiles were being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. Notice the petition of Paul's prayer is to the Father. The latter portion of verse 14 and 15. God is the Father of Jesus Christ our Lord. The fatherhood of God now uh, regarding Jesus is not as we think it in human terms or human relations. The person of Jesus is not to be thought of as having been created by God at one time, and that's why he's his father. He has always been, and at a point in time, he became man. He was not always man, but he became man at a point in time, but he was always God. The person of Jesus is the son of the father only by the plan of salvation. The father is the source, the son is the channel in submission for efficiency as Chapter 2, verse 18 clearly says, he says, For through him 
We both have access by one spirit to the Father, both Jew and Gentile, by one spirit to the Father. But through whom? Through Jesus Christ. He is the channel. Now notice, secondly, the intercession of the prayer. Paul prayed that God would grant them, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The measure is according to the riches of his glory, or literally, in proportion to his riches. And we've talked about his riches. Chapter 1, verse 7, verse 18, 2, 4, 2, 7. They're all over this epistle. The means is to be strengthened with might through what? Through his spirit. Through the spirit of God. His might. Man in his new nature has access to that power. But he does not have the power in and of himself. That's important. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6, right? There's the key. The inherent power of the Holy Spirit marks the life of what? The life of the spirit in the believer. Notice, secondly, in verse 17, Paul prayed that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. It is through faith that we take hold of the might of the spirit. Through faith. Too often we think of being filled with the spirit and the power and the might by like plugging in like an extension cord. It's not what it's about. It's opening my life to the Lord so that he can have all of me. It's not something I can just turn on and off as a plug. It's something that I must yield to because it's ever present. Notice thirdly. Verse 17 at the end, the last half in verse 18. Paul prayed that they would be rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted in love, they would be nourished by God and they would grow. The word rooted is a metaphor of a plant. This plant is living, dependent for its existence on the soil. It cannot exist outside that environment. The metaphor makes alive in the mind of the believer of their own life source and dependency for their existence, God's love. Don't miss that. The word is agape, God's divine love. His love for who? The sinner. The overwhelming love. Remember the first three chapters, the wealth of believer by the love of God. The metaphor also paints a vivid picture in their mind of the vital source of their nourishment. Even as the roots of a plant seek the nutrients and the water for growth. Being grounded in love, they would be stable and consistent. There's the key. The word grounded is a metaphor again of what? Agriculture, a building. Strong. Because it has a strong foundation. The metaphor declares the love of God. It is the only thing that will keep us from being shaken in our faith. The only thing that will never fail. The metaphor is a vivid picture again of their lives being steadfast. The foundation of a building is the most costly. The foundation of a building takes the most time. And the foundation of a building is the one that holds everything else up. But because of the foundation, the rest of the building is solid. The same with our lives and the love of Jesus Christ. If your life is not built on the love of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, the earthquakes are going to come, the storms are going to come, and your house will fall. Absolutely. 
Notice thirdly, being rooted and grounded in love was for the purpose that the believer comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height of his love. The ability is possible by the phrase, may be able. Underline that. For God is not the author of confusion. If God calls you to do something, he enables you. If you find yourself in a relationship that's difficult and he wants you to forgive or to love or to whatever, he will enable you. The petition is that they might comprehend, which has the idea of understanding, to lay hold of or to grasp for oneself by personal experience the potential and efficiency of God's love for the sinner by the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that makes that alive to us. A natural man doesn't understand those things. But that's a beginning where the Spirit gives illumination to our mind and we understand it, we believe it. But then we have to go a step further. We're going to have to live it. That's where the rubber meets the road. The ongoing life that is yielded to God's love on a daily basis will be able to comprehend the vastness of God's love. The ability is for all the saints. Notice that. There is no special group of believers to which this is confined to, nor limit, except the one we place on God's love. The only limit is the one we place on God's love. The length, the width, the height, the depth. Some have seen the cross there, the top pole going forward. Able to take men to heaven. Able to pull them out of hell. And the two going to the side, encompassing all. Jew, Gentile, male, female, regardless of what. All encompassing. The all encompassing, all inclusive, all sufficient, and all powerful love of God is expressed by the words width, length, depth, and height. Something that is beyond our understanding. Something is, that is beyond, beyond our wanting to see happen many times. We don't mind it when it, it means us, but others, we're not quite sure about that. Notice fourthly, verse 19, Paul prayed that they might know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The word to know is gnosko. It means knowledge joined by experience. Here's where the second step comes in. By God's grace, the Spirit illuminates our mind to the love of God, and we understand it, we believe it, but now he says, now you've got to live it. You've got to make it yours. Not what is read in books, not what is heard about others, nothing but what is experienced by the submissive obedience and dependency on God's agape love. Personal, individual. The love of God passes knowledge, he says, gnosis, means intellectual, see? It goes beyond our ability to understand or even believe the potential, even as Christians. The word he uses is passes. It's made up of two words, but it means to throw beyond, to exceed. So in other words, we say sometimes God is transcendent. He's beyond our knowing or understanding. We know many things about God. But there's some things that he's revealed to us that we don't understand him completely. How is it that he can be God and man at the same time? How is it that he can predestine and I can choose? We don't understand it because our love is so conditional. The ability goes beyond ourselves. Notice the prayer of Paul is that each of the Ephesians might obtain that which is unattainable as well as uncomprehendable by mere conceptual knowledge. 
People, there comes a time you as a Christian and I, we have to go beyond the brain into the arena of life. To assess a situation intellectually is one thing and say, well, yeah, I would do this and that. But being in it is a whole different game. Many people look at their lives, decisions they're making, and say, well, you know, I would do this and that. But, and, you're, and their people are warning, don't do that. But once they get into it, they find out that their intellectual assessment before the fact is nothing compared to the experience of the fact. A whole different thing. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says. Paul says that the love of Christ constrained him. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Now notice fifthly here. Paul prays that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this is the climax of Paul's prayer. This is also a paradox that seems impossible to accomplish. The word fullness denotes completeness, that which is full. And the word is used of the fullness we have received in Christ Jesus as salvation in John 1.16. But now he's using it for the fullness of God's love, for all the potential that he has. The word with, in verse 19 there, means to or unto. So let's read it that way. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled unto all the fullness. That's a better translation. Unto all the fullness. In other words, to the full capacity in Christ, the measure or standard for each person according to their age in Christ as they are growing and maturing in Christ. In Him you're complete. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. He's all that we need for salvation. But now this is the other perspective from the other side. You need to grow and receive the fullness of His love. We need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit every day in the inner man. For our testings, even as Jesus in the wilderness in Luke 4, driven by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, he withstood the enemy, defeated him. For our witness, Acts 1.8, tearing Jews to be endued with power from on high. For our warfare, he'll tell us in chapter 6, verse 10, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God. This is all made possible because Jesus had been glorified. John tells us that in the last day of the great feast in John 7, 37 through 38. As he cried out, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. And out of his innermost being shall gush torrents of living waters. And John says, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not given to the churches of yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is possible now for every person because Jesus has been glorified. No one is excluded. We need to allow Jesus to be at home in our hearts through faith, not feeling. Faith is based on God's word, his revelation, what he calls us to obey. Don't be a smorgasbord Christian. You need to take it all. You need to have some liver, some spinach. He's called you to obey from cover to cover. He's called you to cut through the difficulties of life and not to meander like you used to, like that river through the power of his love. Faith is not based on feelings or emotions. Too many Christians live their life by feelings and emotions. Well, I don't know if I, I don't feel like it. So what? Are you a child of God? Yeah. What does God say here? Forgive. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Sound like our kids, don't we? Faith is not based on intellectual understanding. 
Christianity is not all about brains. Certainly the Holy Spirit turned the lights on, but then once we understand it, then we have to walk in it. That's where the rubber meets the road. Too many people are living their lives by emotions, feelings, and justifying themselves, and we come up short. God's agape love is the only thing that will keep my life on an even keel through the storms of life like the tree planted by the waters in Psalm 1, bringing forth fruit in its season. Read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You can put the name Jesus there and you go all through it. Put agape love all through it. You put your name in there, you'll never get through it. So you got to make sure Jesus is living through you as well as myself in agape love. If you think about loving someone, on the basis of what you know, you'll stop. You can't do it in your natural ability. We can love people until we find out who they are. And then we go, oh, really? The love of God passes knowledge. You see? If you consider the situation of another person who has to forgive, or yourself in a situation, maybe your husband or your wife's committed adultery, or something has happened, and you say, well, I don't know if I could do that. Or you find yourself in and say, I don't want to do that. And that's exactly what you can say. You can't say you can't do that. All you can say is, I won't do that. Because as a Christian, God enables you to do what he calls you to do. And God will never ask you to do something he has not done himself. No one will ever sin against you as much as you have sinned against God. And he forgave you. And you didn't seem to mind that, nor I. But then we're asked to forgive somebody. And we say, well, I don't know. You don't know what he did. And you don't know my husband. And he says, have you looked at the cross lately? Have you realized who I died for? And it kind of brings me to reality once again, that I'm a debtor to the love of God. The capacity of God's love exceeds any human ability or compassionate consideration. It is Christ through us. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Are you crucified with Christ? Is the world crucified with you also? Paul says it was. That's a daily thing, reckoning the old man to be dead. The potential for me to be filled with the fullness of God is present. The only thing that is lacking is the will to do it. In Ephesians here 4.13 says that I'm to grow to the full stature and the measure of Christ. And so all I can do is say, I won't, but I can never say, I can't. God's love is sufficient. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, Colossians 2, 5, 2.7 says. This is Paul's intercession for love. Now notice thirdly, the intoxication through the prayer. And it's brief, verse 20 and 21. Paul is so excited and moved by the wealth of the believer available to him that he just breaks out in a doxology of praise to God. He just says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lest you would get so confused and you say, Oh God, I can't do that. He says, Now, listen, unto him. Get your eyes off yourself, your potential. Unto him who is able. You're not able. Unto him who is able. And there's our problem most of the time. Notice first. 
The intoxication through the prayer, first of all, because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly. The ability is in God. Philippians 2, 12, and 13, the word to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but it's God who works and does both of his good pressure, right? There's that partnership, but he's the one that's doing it. Exceeding abundantly, three words. The idea is that of being over and above the measure exhaustlessness more than is necessary. Whatever God calls you and myself to, he will give us more than is necessary. It's like you asking your dad, dad, can I have some money for a, an ice cream? An ice cream costs you 35, 40, 50 cents, a dollar at the most. And he says, here, here's $10. More than abundant. More than you need. God never says, well, how much you need, John? Well, I don't know if I can give you that. Well, okay. do you really need 10? How about if I give you eight? No. He gives you more than abundantly, more than necessary. Are we making use of that? Notice, secondly, because it is he who is able to do above all that we can ask or think. And the word ask is in the middle voice to ask for one's own self or one's own interest. Nothing wrong with asking. We are told to ask. If this is the motive of our life continually, it's wrong. But there are times where we're to ask. Ask for our daily bread, for strength, for wisdom. Nothing wrong with that. But notice, more than we can ask or think means consider. In other words, it is beyond our imagination because we usually think that God only blesses us if we've been good. <laughs> well, I know I'm nothing, but you know, I mean, Lord, if you could do this, it'd be really nice. I, you know, I don't know. God has unlimited resources. The Israel of God limited the God of Israel in the wilderness. Everything, but they limited him. Why? They didn't walk and they didn't ask. Notice thoroughly, because it is according to the power that works in us. Don't miss that, the Holy Spirit. In proportion to God's power, His ability, we must realize that we trust Him to do that work, not ourselves. And notice fourthly, because to God belongs the glory in the church of Jesus Christ. God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the church, and the church is the glory of God in Christ. Colossians 1.27 tells us that. To him be the glory because he is working in us and through us. We're just vessels. Notice lastly, because this will go on throughout all the ages. Every generation that hears the gospel, every generation that yields to God's love, to all generations forever and ever and ever, God's purpose for the church extends into the eternal ages. Every generation hears the same gospel. Every generation is taught the same thing. God is the same today, yesterday, as ever will be forevermore. And so are we to be as his bride. Listen to this. We could with ink the ocean fill and wear the skies of parchment made, where every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from skies to sky. How do you define God's love? How do you describe it? How do you put a measure on it? You don't. You just don't. This is Paul's intoxication through love. He's so overwhelmed about God's love. And so Paul's prayer deals with the enabling empowerment of the believer's life through the love that is marked by these three things, the introduction of love, the intercession for love, and the intoxication through love. Amazing. 
He's done with the doctrinal section. Now he's going to move on to the practical section. This is the transition. Now he's going to move to where the rubber meets the road. You got to be a doer of it. Pastor Xavier Reese and being changed by love, a love that only God can give. And today's study, Prayer to Be Like Christ, is available for only $4 on CD. And this includes what was shared the last time we were together, making one complete study. So once again, the title to request is Prayer to Be Like Christ, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This helps us monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. What part do you play in your church? Get direction when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 